Welcome to the church, amen. <laughs> right on, man. I was considering what a, how amazing it would be if, in, uh, if we were actually, you know, living those lives where, you know what, the church actually lived the life of, of the word of God, lived the life of, you know what, man, that, that, that God's word, man, my relationship, you know, in Christ or with, you know, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that in God's word, that my whole life, all right, is ordained by the word of God. You know, every day of my life walks through the filter of God's word. All right, imagine, man, if every one of us here, all right, if the church right here in this community, all right, was, was just saying, you know what, my whole life, man, everything we do, my relationships, my workplace, all right, my coming and going, man, everything was in the filter and through the filter of God's word. Now, it would be a changed world right here, wouldn't it be? Praise the Lord, wouldn't it be? That's a good place for a yes, amen, come on, man, right on. We need God's word, because there's a lot of voices, there's a lot of other words out there, man. I don't remember if you remember a while back, there was a commercial that was put out, I think it was by Google. Yeah, matter of fact, it was by Google, right, where this kid, right, he had, he was, he was on his little Nexus tablet, right, and he's scrolling, and, uh, and, he, and he's asking, you know, Google, what is the definition of glossophobia, and basically, it comes back and says, glossophobia, this little soft voice says, glossophobia, speech anxiety is the fear of public speaking. And he was asking this because he had this presentation to, ma to make to his school, right? And he was preparing for this, this presentation. And so he, he clicked the little button that says, explore more. And sure enough, all this stuff started coming out, man. I mean, you know, this uh, FDR's uh, first inaugural speech came out. Winston Churchill was getting all crazy talking in his voice, all right? And then, and then uh, all these different ideas for uh, speaking and public speaking. And then it showed the kid, man, in class. And he was just laying it down because he was doing all this and this and this. You know what I mean? He was just like, boom. And people were looking. And you could tell it was a success, man, because the whole class just started clapping for him at the end. And then, and then he looked as he, he was just kind of pretty pleased, man. And he looked, and there was a little girl over there, man, in the class looking at him like, what's up? Kind of way Debbie looks at me every day. What's up? All right. <laughs> and then he goes to his Nexus to Google search. And he says, how do I ask? And then it, the, the drop-down menu says, a girl out. And boom, there it is. There's his answers. There's his discipleship. Coming from this screen, man, we, we, we've allowed these screens. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the screens, man. It all depends on whose hands it's in, all right? I'm just saying, man, we allow the screens to disciple us, and now we're allowing them to disciple our children, all right? And, and you know, I use my screen just about every day. It is great for information. It is great for finding stuff out. I've learned that this tool can be amazing. I got Bibles on here. I got Bible software on here. I've got commentaries on here. I've got tons and tons of information, all right? But when we use these screens, all right, to make sense of the world, and we allow our kids and the next generation here just make sense of the world, I think there's a problem. Because too many of us are walking around with these screens like there's these pocket counselors, all right, they're pocket counselors or pocket instructors, all right, or, or, or entertainers and even some sex educators. I mean, why ask a parent? Why ask an instructor? Why ask a teacher? Why ask somebody who's even been there and done that? Why ask a pastor, all right, some of these potentially awkward questions when I can just you know, swipe onto a screen and nobody will know what I'm asking? 
when all I need to do is just tap the screen. I mean, we get all, again, I'm not against the screens. Like if we have big old screens up here, man. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not against this. I get all kinds of information from here, but, but, but my question is, you know, where do we get wisdom from? You know, where's the wisdom going to come from? You know, I have yet to gain wisdom from a search engine or from a drop-down menu, all right, or from, you know, the influence of the algorithms that are taking place here or, or even from some of your crazy old memes, you know what I mean, about why you don't want to be at work, <laughs> you know what I mean, the craziness. No, 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 no. I truly believe that, that, that the true wisdom, the real wisdom is only shared from a well-lived life in, in their identity in Christ. From a life well-lived in its identity in Christ, that's where wisdom comes from. That's where wisdom comes from, which is why we're in this series. We just started this series last week. It is an amazing series, all right? And I'm glad you're here because you need to stick around for this, man, because it's crazy. We're calling it Creating Tomorrow. All right, and here's the tag. Basically, our investment or lack of in the next generation today, all right, will form our world tomorrow. Our investment or lack of investment in our next generation today will form our world tomorrow. Remember, today literally does equal tomorrow. What we do today will get, we'll get results, big results tomorrow. Every one of us has an opportunity to form the future by living and giving a gospel-centered life that is fully invested in the people around us, fully invested. Every one of us has a generation coming up after us, and some of us even have generations that are before us. But how, oh, we need each other. We, uh, we, we need each other. We need the, the new and fresh ideas of the next generation. I shared with you last week that, that, that all the new ideas, man, they're most likely going to come from the next generation, from those who are coming up next, man, those who are, who are you know, viewing the world in a whole different lens. We need those ideas, but in the same moment, they need the wisdom of a life well-lived from an identity in Christ. They need that wisdom. We need to put these two together. But how can we share the wisdom, all right, this wisdom and these fresh ideas cross-generationally? How can we share these, you know, through, through, through the next generation and those generations before us? How can we, how can we live in that context? And I, and I love what we shared last week. And this is just a beginning spot right here. It is by honoring, all right, people in the world that they live in all right, and sharing how you experience Jesus in yours. Not necessarily having to go and honor the world that people are living in because there's not a lot of honorable stuff sometimes, right? But basically honoring, honoring, all right, the, the people in the world that they live in while sharing how you experience Jesus in your world, how you experience the gospel in your world, how Jesus Christ, man, how you recognize, you know what, that Christ, you know, that, that, that you, that, 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 that's a, the gospel is the center of your life, that Jesus Christ has come, all right? He gave his life for your sins and my sins, all right? He taught, he did a lot of miracles, and then he died on a cross for you and for me, all right, to kill off, all right, sin, the, the, the penalty of sin and death, all right? He died and he was buried, all right, for three days later, completely dead, and and then three days later, wakes up, gets up, man, rises, all right, from the dead, 
all right, crush the enemy, all right, and the, and the hold that the enemy has on us through sin and death, all right, ascended into heaven, sent us his Holy Spirit, all right, to empower us to live this life right here, right now, and is coming back for his church, amen, amen, come on, man, are we all here this morning? <laughs> That's a great place for an amen, amen. Honoring people in the world that they live in and sharing how you experience Jesus in yours, how the gospel continually changes, all right, and forms your world. But you gotta be willing to share it. You gotta be willing to share this life, man, this life on the inside, this identity that has been proven and given by Jesus Christ in Jesus Christ. Because you can't give what you don't have, right? You just can't give what you don't have. Too many times I, I see people, man, with, with all this knowledge, all right? And all they got is, 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 is this knowledge and they're, they're acquiring all this information, all right? And they're trying to, to pass it on, but the life doesn't represent, the life identity does not represent. You can say it's not in there, all right? You can't give what you don't have. And I'm telling you right now, Jesus himself, he shared that this life begins and ends with this identity in Christ. All right? Turn your Bibles to, to, uh, to, to Matthew 22. All right? We'll begin in verse 37. Check this out. If you ain't got a Bible, man, we tell you this all the time, man, we'll give you a Bible if you need one. If not, guess what? These little screens, you can actually put them to some really good use because there's Bible apps. ESV, dot, uh, ESV Bible app is a great one. Our our app, the app from the church actually has a Bible on it as well as sermon notes and stuff like that. You need to check us out. I don't know what's taking you so long. <laughs> so check this out. So Father, we just give you the praise. We give you the honor. We give you the glory, Lord God. And Father, we pray in the name of Christ that you help us, Lord God, Lord, to own this identity in you, Lord God, so that we can share identity in you, from you, through you, Lord God, in the lives around us. So that, Father, that people can recognize that there is life in Christ, Lord God, and it's not just a show. Lord God, that we actually have this great love that you've given us, Lord God, to love you back with. And we just pray, Lord God, that, that we can actually not only live this life, but share this life, give this life for your glory. Guide us, Lord God, in Jesus' name, amen. So in the context of what we're reading right here, um, these, uh, these, these, these Pharisees, these scribes, these teachers, these religious people were trying to catch Jesus up in a freeze. All right, because they studied the law. They were like really well-versed in the law. They knew everything they needed to know about God, apparently, is what they thought. And so they're trying to, you know, trip up Jesus and say, man, why don't you just, okay, we have this whole book. We have all these laws, 600 and something laws. All right, you know what? Which one should we, which one's the most important one? If you had to pick one, man, can you give us the most important one? They're trying to trip them up. Jesus gladly answered uh, the question, gladly accepted the challenge, all right, and in, in, and in turn challenges us as well in our search for identity. In Matthew 22, verse 37, he said to them, he says, you want to know what it is? Here it is, man. You shall love the Lord with the Lord God with all your heart. Say love. All right, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Say all. All right, and with all your soul. Say all. And with all your mind. Say all. I mean, you guys got a little weak on the alls there, all right? <laughs> all right? Say all. Come on. Yeah, everything. 
He's saying, you know what? Begin with everything. This is, uh, this is identity in Christ, and it is discovered through intimacy. It's discovered through intimacy with God. You know, it, you know it, identity is discovered through intimacy. And the problem is that we've, we've taken this word intimacy, all right, and we've turned it into something that it's not. We've incompleted this intimacy, all right? True intimacy, true intimacy is cultivated and not created. True intimacy is cultivated in life and not created. If I'm gonna pursue intimacy with God, if I'm gonna pursue intimacy in Jesus, that is, there's a cultivation that is necessary, all right? It's not something that I can just create on my own or just start or stop when I want to. It is something that needs to be nurtured. It is a closeness with God. It is transparency with God. It is communication with God, all right? It is familiarity. It is time spent, all right, and friendship with God. You get the picture, man, all right? It's not just closeness that is a proximity. It is a closeness that is in unity, all right, intimacy basically is just telling God, you're, uh, you're into me, I see, you see, and I'm into you, you see. We're into one another, all right? And there is a, there is a unity, all right, that is built, all right, and, and, and cultivated and nurtured and growing ever, 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 and ever. That's what he says, man. I mean, I mean, can you love the Lord your God with all your heart today? Man, this takes up, this is a process, this is something I need to work at. This is something I'm, I'm, I'm hopefully better at the, today than I was yesterday. And hopefully tomorrow, I'll be better at it than I was today. Guess what, man? You know what? Uh, 10 years ago, I would have told you, you know what? I love Debbie more than I've ever loved her in my whole life. There's no way, I, you know what I mean? I've never loved her this much. Guess what? Today, I love her more than I've ever loved her in my whole life. There's no, there's no time in my life I've ever loved her this much. Why? Because I'm learning to love her. I'm cultivating that intimacy more and more daily, daily, daily. And this is what God is saying, man. He's saying, love the Lord with all your heart, man. And as your heart grows and as your soul grows and as your, as your mind grows, he says, I want you to continue to love me more and develop this intimacy that there's no barriers, there's no secrets, complete vulnerability, recognizing that, that we are completely seen and completely known by God and yet still completely loved. That is mind-blowing. All right, to know that you are completely seen by God daily, minute by minute, second by second, not even what's happening out here, but what's happening in here. Whoa, what? Completely seen, completely known, and still completely loved? I got some people that I kind of know, and I don't like them. I'm just going to say it. That's bad. That is so bad. I love them, but I don't like them. All right? <laughs> You know, I'm trying to grow. I'm not the perfect, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, all right? But there's people, man, that, you know what? But, but, and so that blows me away that God, because he, I mean, if, he completely sees me. He completely knows me, and yet he completely loves me. That ought to be an amen for a lot of people in here, all right? That ought to be an amen, man. It says this right here is the, first, the great and first commandment. This is where life begins. This is where life continues. And this is where life will end before it begins afresh and anew in his kingdom. And then he says, but let me throw another one in there, man. He said, he says, you know what? I want to talk to you about, first of all, finding your identity. Your identity, he says, needs to be set in Christ, discovered through intimacy. 
cultivated, not created. And he says, but let me give you the second one. He says, the second one is just like it. He says, he says you, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, when we see this, we're trying to, you know, first question, you know, one guy asked Jesus, well, who's my neighbor? He kind of gave him a story that kind of just shared, you know, well, who isn't? Who isn't your neighbor? The better question is, who's not your neighbor? Try to answer that, all right? Well, and, and with, you know, with, 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 you know, with, with, you know, with scripture, who, you know, who isn't my neighbor? But then, okay, well, recognizing that, that we're surrounded, all right, and, and people need to know that they can know Jesus, all right? And so if I'm gonna love my neighbor as I love myself, what does that look like? Does it like me just take, taking them a cake once in a while, all right? Does it look like me coming over and helping them fix their car, mow their lawn for them, all right? Wave to them even when I don't wanna talk to them, all right? What does it look like? How many people do you wave and just hope they stay over there? You can't even do this kind of, instead of doing this, right, you can't do this. Like, you stay right there. I mean, come on. Let's be real, man. Am I the only one that does that? Sorry. All right? Maybe not, right? All right, what does it look like to love my neighbor as myself? Well, wait a second. Let's go back to that verse that he shared before. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. All right? Mark adds, with all your, str with all your strength. Well, let me ask you this. If, if you love the Lord with everything you are, and you're loving your neighbor as yourself, shouldn't your first expression of loving your neighbor be to help them discover how much God loves them? Shouldn't that be the first expression of your love for your neighbor? Because I love me, I love me. I wouldn't be right here if I didn't love me, or I wouldn't be alive, I wouldn't be, I love me, you love you, all right, we, we, now we, we're pursuing God because, you know what, we love God and we know we're loved by God, all right, and so there's some great love for ourselves. all right, as we pursue his love. Then shouldn't my first expression of love for my neighbor be that they can have this kind of love too? If I'm gonna love you the way I love me and, and I love being loved by God, don't I want them to know they can be loved by God too? Or maybe, maybe, Maybe our identity in Jesus is challenged and maybe that's why we don't share it. Maybe we're having an identity crisis in Christ and maybe that's why we're not sharing this identity in Jesus that has been discovered through intimacy, cultivated and not created. Maybe we're having this identity crisis, man, that we're just not recognizing, all right? Because I wanna challenge you with a thought and I'm gonna put this up there, man. I want you to take a look at this for a minute. I want you to think about this. Finding Jesus easy to identify with is, is much different than finding your identity in Christ. Finding Jesus easy to identify with is much different than finding your identity in Christ. This is that brand Jesus mentality. Uh, you know, I like this about Jesus and I like this about Jesus. I can identify with that and I can identify with this about Jesus, all right? But we're not finding complete identity in Jesus. It's become way too popular, all right, today, right? Today, this is way too popular to only like the things about Jesus that remind me about me. This is way too popular. To only like the things about Jesus that remind me of me, about me rather than the person he is inspiring me to be. When we go around, man, and we're studying like crazy, you know what I mean? We're learning new things about Jesus, all right? When we're, we're finding all these cool quotes that we like, other things we're dismissing, because I don't know what that means, I don't like that, and I just want this, 
All right, and, and, then, and then we're becoming what, what people have called before, we're becoming a bunch of fathead Christians. Fathead Christians, we're just filled with all this knowledge about God, but none of it has made it to our heart. And we're not, our identity is not in Christ. We're just identifying with these certain things we like about God, certain things we like about Jesus. And we're just a bunch of fatheads. <laughs> Sorry, maybe I'm the only fathead. No, I'm not a fathead anymore. I used to be a fathead, all right? <laughs> All right, I remember one time I got my head stuck. You ever had your head? Never mind. Never mind. Yeah, that happened like more than a couple of times. Not only did I have a fat head, when I was a kid, my ears looked like it was a Volkswagen with the doors open. All right, I'm not even kidding. I was like, got stuck one time and didn't help. All right, they're like hooks. Anyways, um, <laughs> I think too, 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 too quickly, well, I mean, we're just so quick to just find our brand Jesus. I mean, when you think about your identity, man, what, what do you pursue to help you discover your own identity. So many times there's clothes, there's, there's brands, different brands that are out there, there's sports, there's our jobs. I mean, we identify ourselves by so many external things. And so when we're looking to Jesus, we're, we're also pursuing an external identification, you know, with Jesus and not in Jesus. And I think we're headed for a huge train wreck when that happens. Here's the thing, man. We're surrounded every day by generations of people who are dying to know that they can know Jesus. And what's crazy is they are surrounded by people who do know that they can know Jesus. And for some reason, you know, we're having such a struggle crossing the lines generationally. Many times, man, with our peers, it's not as much of a problem but generationally, it seems that we're struggling. And I believe, man, that there's a huge problem, man, that has just been created in the church, especially here in the States. I believe that so many of us in the church have been inoculated with the gospel. We've been inoculated. I'm going to share what that means without any hidden messages, okay? All right? Inoculating is when they give you, uh, you know, you ever heard of them? Am I the only one? No, maybe not. All right, um, you're just listening. You're like, dude, just say it, all right? So inoculating is basically when they give you a little taste of a virus, all right? Again, no hidden messages here, all right? Don't go there, all right? When they give you a little taste of a virus or, or something that is like that virus, all right, they put it into your body and your body develops this immunity towards that virus. So when it does hit, all right, you've already built up this strength to not allow the depth of that virus to control your life. And too many of us have been inoculated with the gospel, we allowed a little bit of Jesus in, the kind of the parts we can identify with, all right? And they've created this resistance to deeper faith. They created this resistance. It's the surface level Jesus that's just kind of okay, man. I got a t-shirt. Maybe I'm even get a tattoo. Nothing wrong with either one of those, in my opinion, all right? Uh, but, 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 you know, or we create some memes or whatever we do. We just kind of have this surface relationship with Christ. We are finding Jesus easy to identify with, but we're not pursuing this identity in Jesus. And what's crazy is that makes it so easy for like two-thirds, of like we shared last week, two-thirds of, 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 of young Christians who grew up in Christian homes are dropping out of involvement in the church today. Why? Because they don't have, the, not, not many are showing them something different. I'm not saying not any, I'm saying not many are showing them something different. Too many of us have been inoculated, all right, with the gospel. We're not allowing deep faith, the deeper things of faith, the identity in Christ, all right, to just consume our world and actually change the world around us. And so they're not seeing anything different than they're seeing out there. So why stick around? 
And we look at that, man, and we say, man, does this even matter? All right, since they're all leaving the church, what does it even matter? Yes, it matters because at the center of, of human existence, at the center of every human being, at the core of every one of us is a search for identity. A search, man, a mad pursuit of identity in every one of us. Do you know, man, that, 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 that out of those, that those who have left the church, those young ones, and, and basically two out of every three under 24-year-olds in America today, out of, out of the 68 million under 24-year-old Americans today, do you know that two out of three of them still identify themselves as Christians? We'll still say that they're Christians. Did you know that? Why in the world are they still calling them Christians, themselves Christians? If if they don't want to identify with the church. Why? And then I got to say, wait a second, 65%. There's 328 million Americans today, people living in America. 65% of them, 210 million of the Americans today still claim to call themselves Christians as well. Why? Why? Why in the world, man, do, 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 do this? That's, that's a, I think, like 159. I wrote this down. Where did I put this all, man? I don't want to get too lost in the words, man. But you know what? Basically, that's 65% of all Americans from young and old call ourselves Christians. Why are we calling ourselves Christians? Let me ask you this. Why do you call yourself Christian? Why do you call yourself Jesus follower? Why do you call yourself, you know, a, a Jesus person or whatever it is you use to identify yourself with or in Christ? What if, man, if 210 million Americans claim to be Christians, shouldn't America be a much different place? (laughs) We better get busy. Imagine, man, if, 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 if all of us said, you know what? We are gonna pursue this intimacy in Christ, man, all right? That is gonna cultivate our identity in Christ, all right? That is, that is that, and then we're, 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 gonna, we're gonna continue to cultivate, all right, this loving the Lord with everything we are, all right? And cross-generationally, all right, we are going to be reaching into lives with this identity in Christ, all right? Not arrogantly, not abrasively, not ugly, but lovingly. Imagine that, man. You know, we would be able to go and then and, and work in the lives of the rest of the 118 million people who claim no affiliation whatsoever. You remember the ones that we shared last week who, who believe that, that, that religion is bad for the culture and bad for the country. Imagine if they discovered that we felt the same way. But a relationship with Jesus changes the world. Right? But a relationship in Christ changes everything. That's why I call you guys world changers, man. That's why I consistently call you guys world changers. We are the world changers, man. This is what God sent us here, all right? To change the world for his glory. But first, the identity in Christ must be tested in your life because you can't give what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have. Finding Jesus easy to identify with is way different than finding your identity in Christ. And people that are younger than you will be quick to look over your shoulder and see if you believe what you're trying to sell, to see if you have what you're trying to give. You can't give what you don't got. 
I've been working with young people since 1996, all right? Working in the lives of students, mostly high school students, and, and, and uh, you know, junior hires freak me out. Sorry if you're a junior hire, man, but we'll get there, all right? <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, they freak us out, too. No, but I, those are future world changers. I'm not future world changers. Those are today's world changers. I hate saying that. This is not the church of tomorrow. This is the church of today, amen? Changing the world for your glory. I've met some junior hires, man, that blow you away. But I've been working with them, and I recognize that, 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 that you can talk to them a lot, but they're going to look over your shoulder and see, man, if you're living this life that you're trying to give. That's a big deal. What are they going to see when they look over your shoulder? If, they, if, if, if somebody in the generation below you or just coming up after you was to look over your shoulder, what would they see? Would they see an identity in Christ all right, that has been moving along with you and growing daily? Or will they see religious clutter? A hoarder for Jesus. You know what I mean? A hoarder for God. What are they going to see? Because it is... It's, it's not hard to just kind of just clutter, just become a hoarder for God. I mean, we got all this different memorabilia that points to God, but not a heart or a life that is in Christ. Jesus challenged some religious leaders of his time. In Matthew 23, he just, he just pulls them on front street, right? Because you have all these, these teachers, man, and he's like, look at what he says. In Matthew 23, verse one, Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, he says, the scribes and the Pharisees, those who, who know the word back to front, front to back, those who, uh, you know, the Pharisees, the ones who are walking around just you know, showing, try, trying to show you what this looks like, but just kind of, you know, challenging you to do this and to do this and to do this. He says, they sit in Moses' seat. In other words, they have the words of, 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 the, of the Old Testament. They have the words of the first five books of the Old Testament, the words that, that God spoke through Moses, he says they had, so, so do what they say, all right? Observe what they tell you to do and do it, but, but don't do what they're doing because they don't preach. They don't practice what they preach. They preach and they don't practice. There's just a bunch of religious clutter in their life. They identify with the good parts or the parts that they feel suits them best with God, but their identity is not in God. And Jesus is challenging his church. This is not where I want you to be. He says, it's easy to call yourself a Christian, all right, but way less common, all right, to find your identity in Christ, right? You can't give what you don't have. I remember when I first gave my life to Christ, all right, when De Debbie and I walked into that church with our family, we were sitting in the back. We looked like the dang Adams family in the back of the church back there, huh? all right? And, and, and the pastor, it was a business meeting. I didn't even know what a business meeting was, but right before the pastor, he said, spoke some words from the scriptures. He opened the scriptures and spoke the words of scriptures. And it was like, it was like, like cold water, cool, cool water just poured down on me. It's like, I was so thirsty. I didn't realize how thirsty I was. And then the words were being spoken from the word of God. And it was just beauty poured in. And I was like, I, I want to be here. This is, where, this is the first church I've ever been to as an adult. And I was like, this is where I want to be. I want to be with these people. You know, like you, when you join any new community, you're looking for, you know, people that you can kind of relate with and hang out with. And I'm, and I'm doing that, man. I found a couple of guys, man, kind of hanging out with them. And, you know, Debbie and I would go to their house for dinner and stuff like that. And I started recognizing, man, there's a difference from who I'm seeing on Sunday than who I'm seeing in their pad. There's a disconnection. 
This guy isn't just drinking. They're not just drinking. They're getting drunk, man. And I'm definitely like, man, wait a second. We're trying to leave this life. All right, I'm hanging out with some other dudes, man. They're telling stories, man. I'm like, why are you guys talking about this stuff? This is not because I'm leaving this life, man. You know, a cuss word doesn't just slip out. It's just part of their language, man. And I'm like, dude, I'm trying to leave this world behind. And I'm thinking, man, am I even with the right people? I'm in the right place. Does this, does, does this thing called the church even exist? And I started hanging out. I go back in the church and I find some new cats and I find these people just sold out for Christ. I go to their house, man. I'm like, man, this is, it's the real deal. This is really happening. And this is some of these, fa- some of these, these families, that we've known them for 25 years, man, and we're still tight. And they're still living the life. And they're still pursuing Jesus. And they're still leading by amazing example. Here's what I've come to discover, man. No one, I've not yet met anyone who left the church because they had issues with Jesus that day. I just didn't like what he did today. <laughs> I don't, I've never met anybody who's left the church who has issues with, with Jesus. But it's usually because they had a bad experience with someone who merely claimed the title and was not owning the position. You see, we need to honor people in in, in the world that they're living in. But we also need to share how we experience Jesus in ours every day, all day, throughout the day. I love what the famous theologian Chris Zimmerman said. Um, we don't make Jesus Lord. He is Lord. Think about that. Think about that, man. Too often when we're just finding uh, Jesus easy to identify with in certain parts of life, but, you know, not here, all right? Um, you know, we think that we're, 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 we're allowing him. No, man, Jesus is Lord. Our identity is either in that lordship or not. You know, we don't make Jesus Lord. Now, I've heard the, the expression, and I understand, you know, I'm making Jesus Lord of my life. Basically, essentially, what you're saying is I'm acknowledging that he is Lord, has been Lord, and will always be Lord, and I'm going to give my life to him and his lordship. I get that point. But we don't make Jesus Lord. He is Lord. Now, we either submit to that lordship or we try and make believe that he submits to ours. That's crazy, huh? So what are we gonna do about this? What are we gonna do about this, man? You need to solidify your identity in Christ. Not identity with Christ, identity in Christ. Solidify that, all right, by cultivation, by proximity, like I'm talking about, and by unity, not just proximity, but unity. Christ in me and I in him. When I walk into the store, I, am, I'm, I, I gotta challenge myself. I am walking in Christ in this store. When I walk into my house, man, I am walking in Christ in my home. When I wake up in the morning, I'm waking up in Christ. It's cultivating that relationship. I want to solidify. We need to solidify our identity in Christ, and then we need to share that life with others. Why? Because you can't give what you don't got, man, what you don't have. He said, look, man, you, you shall love the Lord your God, all right, with uh, all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind 
And then with that love, with that love, and in that love, and in that identity, love your neighbors as yourself, all right? And so here's what I want you to do. Man, the main thing, the big umbrella, open your life. You know, if you solidify your life, all right, and share that life, open your life, open your home, and pursue family. Here's what's crazy. If you search through the scriptures and see when God is doing his redemptive work in the scriptures and in the world, it's always through a family, God works through a family. He began his redemptive work through Abraham and Sarah. And then they had a kid who had another kid who had all kinds of kids. All right? And their, and their kids became this, this group of families of people whose main job description was to know God and to make God known. God changes the world through family. Pursue family because then you see not not too long well later on after that you see Elizabeth and Zacharias they're getting ready to have a boy his name's going to be John we call him John the Baptist and her cousin all right another family member is getting ready to have the savior her and Joseph are going to raise this young man who God says raises in the home he didn't say let me pull Jesus out I'm gonna throw him in the desert at two years old all right no he's raised in a family open your life Open your home and pursue family. Number one thing I want you to do in this home is experience Jesus together right there in your home. There is something about sharing a meal together that has a deep connection to life. There's just something about sharing a meal together that has this deep connection to, 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 to life. And I'm wondering, maybe this is why, this is why Jesus asked his, his disciples and asks us to remember him through a meal as we take the Lord's Supper. When's the last time, and I'm challenged right here as well, that we got together with people in our home and broke bread and remembered the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When's the last time that we poured the wine, the juice, whatever works best for your context. And remember that his blood was spilled. It was the last time that we experienced that intimacy with him and with one another around the table. Open your life, open your home, pursue family. Number one thing, experience Jesus together and in your home. Number two, point to the whole person of Christ, not just the parts that you like, not just your personal brand of Jesus. Point to the whole person of Christ. I love, you know, I want to challenge you. Go, go to our YouTube, all right, or to our website, or, or, and, and search. Look for this last Wednesday night's teaching. Pastor Justin shares this teaching, Jesus as he is, I think it is. And he just kind of shares this, you know, another look at Christ that we tend to dismiss because we're always looking at the pre-resurrection Jesus, you know, the life and times of Jesus, which are very, very important. But there is Jesus as he is today. In the, sitting in the right hand of the Father. What, is that, what does that look like? Man, go check it out. It's amazing, amazing. 20-something minute sermon is pretty awesome. And it's very engaging. You won't be bored, I guarantee you. Experience Jesus together. 
as you open your life, open your home, and open pursue family. All right, point to the whole person of Christ. Number three, don't be afraid to ask big questions when you're sitting in that context. Don't be afraid to ask big questions. Too many times, man, we get caught up in superficial, uh, you know, conversations. I'm not saying it's all superficial. Talking about what's happening, having some fun things to laugh about, all right, sharing some experiences and old stories, great thing, man, awesome. Sharing how you experienced Jesus in your life, pretty awesome. But don't be afraid to ask some of the big questions about identity, like, who am I really living? How, how should I live in today's world, man, with all these things that are going on in the world? How should I be living? Intimacy and relationships, man. You know what I mean? I, am I really loved? How can I know that I'm really loved? How can anybody know that they're really loved? Meaning and purpose. Does my life even matter? Am I made for something? And how could I even know that? If you're having problems writing all these down, we're going to be talking about these over the next four weeks. This is all coming back out. Questions about legacy and significance. Can I even make a difference? What counts for a well-lived life? Open your home. Open your life. Pursue family. Experience Jesus together. Point to the whole person of Christ. Don't be afraid to ask big questions. And finally, get close and stay close to Jesus. together. Remember, man, that finding Jesus easy to identify with is way different than finding your identity in Christ. Pursue what's better. Cultivate that identity in Christ. Amen? What you gonna do about that? Praise the Lord, amen.